Yeah, I'm going to start a fan club. What would Marg do? I'm going to get T-shirts, bracelets, bags made. If anybody else wants to join me on that, please do. Um, but that was just a teaser of a conversation that I had this week with Marg. Um, and we're actually going to be recording a podcast episode um, to fit in with this whole module around identity. So um, I'm really excited about that. So just wanted to flag that, wet your whistle. Um, be sure to keep an eye out on social media as we, um, as we put that on the website. Um, but this morning, I'm going to be looking at our second part in our identity series about fear and perfect love casting out fear. So why don't we start by reading together. Um, if you've got a Bible present, uh, maybe it's on your phone, maybe it's next to you, get that up. We're going to um, be looking at 1 John 4, verses 7 to 18. Um, and it says this. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us, he has given of us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Just there in there. Thanks, Zoe. So here's my um, initial reaction to this verse. Perfect love casts out all fear, and yet those who fear are not made perfect in love. What does that mean for me then? Am I the only one who uh, worries from time to time? Does that mean that I'm not perfect in love? Maybe I'm not a great Christian then because I can be fearful does this just like totally rule me out? And I don't know about you, but more than ever in this past year, I have been fearful and anxious at times. Maybe that's your everyday reality. Well, this morning I'm here with some good news. You are not discounted from this perfect love. You are included, you are known, you are seen. You are part of this narrative that we're caught up in. And so I want to spend some time this morning thinking about the reality of that passage. 
what is John talking about when he says that perfect love casts out fear? How do we actually live in this truth daily? When I was younger, maybe I was about 10, um, me and my sister absolutely begged my mom for a pet. We want just any kind of pet. We were desperate. And um, we, we thought we'd aim high with a dog, but that was very quickly ruled out. So next best thing was a cat. And mom's a fan of cats, so that was a winner. And mom thought, well, we'll do the right thing. We'll get a rescue cat. We'll get a rescue kitten. Now, let me tell you, this rescue kitten must have had a very rough upbringing because it the cat was terrifying, okay? The cat absolutely <laughs> held us hostage in our own home. It would attack our feet at every given opportunity. It would hide behind sofas to, to jump up on the arm of the sofa without warning. Um, it would bring back horrible mice and rats and, oh, it just it <laughs> wasn't the best, bless it. And we called it Ben. That's such a weird name for a cat. I don't know why we went for Ben, but we did. Anyway, this one day, um, my sister, who's a bit younger than me, she was having a sleepover. And um, there was giggles in the living room as me and my mum went upstairs to bed. And about five minutes later, we hear this absolutely ear-piercing scream from downstairs. So my mum runs down thinking someone had really hurt themselves or injured themselves. This cat had basically backed this poor little girl into a corner and was hissing and ready to pounce basically on her. And Emma, if you're watching this, I'm really sorry if that cat caused you any trauma. But the thing is, I think fear acts in a really similar way. It backs us into a corner, it isolates us, and it forces us to only see the problems in front to concentrate on the worries, on the anxieties, and it distracts us from seeing anything else around us. So what is John getting about when he says that perfect love casts out fear? John is um, not writing to the church to say, when you're a Christian, you'll never fear again. He's not saying that it all becomes sunshines and rainbows but what he is saying is that we no longer have to fear the punishment of God. We no longer have to be worried that we're not enough. This was made complete in Jesus. So let's look at verse 17 again. This is how love is made complete, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment that in this world we are like Jesus. A bit later on it goes... Um, Perfect love drives out of fear because fear has to do with punishment. And it's this fear that John is trying to address in this letter. He isn't saying, don't worry, you'll never fear fearful. But what he's trying to address is this deep-rooted issue in the core of who we are, that we're fearful of death and of judgment. We're fearful of, of punishment, of, of what is God going to make of us. We're maybe fearful that we're not good enough. We're fearful because we think we somehow have to owe God something. It's so deep-rooted and it appears in many different forms in our lives. But this is what the good news of the gospel is, that the perfect love of God, made known to us in the person of Jesus, has dealt with this fear of death and of judgment. 
And it's because of his perfect love that we no longer have to live in fear. Because we know how the story ends. We know that Jesus has the victory. We no longer have to fear this judgment because Jesus has taken care of that for us. He's paid the price. He took the wrath that we deserve. He took the judgment that we deserve. And he made a way. He enabled us to have this freedom, have this relationship with God. That's what we can have confidence in this morning. That it is finished and the price has it been paid. That we can have confidence that on that day, he sees us like Jesus. Christian literally translates as little Christ. And you might not feel like that this morning, but that's the truth of who God says you are. You are his beloved child. And maybe this is all a basic truth. Maybe you've heard this a thousand times. Maybe you're just thinking, yeah, I already know this. But let's just pause a second and remember that this isn't just a, a story. This isn't just something that, we, that is a fairy tale. This is the truth of who we are. This is the truth of who God says, you are, I am. Let's remember that first time we encountered Jesus. Maybe you're watching this morning and you've never, um, you've never accepted Jesus. Maybe you're thinking, well, this all sounds too good to be true. It's not. This is on offer for you. You are not too far gone for God. You can have this freedom. You see, the thing about um, fear and, and when we live in it and when we listen to it, it becomes deep-rooted and it causes absolute havoc. I remember when I was about 17 and one of my best friends had passed her test, driving test first. So she pulls up at my house in a really nice little Ford KA. I was so envious. And what do you do when your best friends pass your test? Well, obviously, you're going to go for a drive through so we pull up to KFC, we both order milkshakes. And I was just thinking, this is the best thing ever. Like, I've, I've made it. I'm in a Ford KA with my best friend drinking a milkshake. And then she goes to pull off, and I literally spill the milkshake all over the footwell of her new car. Now, I don't know if you've ever spilt milk, but it's very hard to clear up and get rid of. And... Um, Every time we got in the car, you know, we'd, I, I'd look at her and you'd smell the air and you'd just smell this stench of, like, gone off milk. And she'd look at me and be like, yes, that, that's your fault that this car still absolutely reeks. I'm really sorry, Katie. I hope, I hope you forgive me. But you see, the thing is, when we let fear linger and, and foster and, and take root, it leaves this bad stench in our lives. We constantly can, can feel the reminder. We can feel the weight of fear. It begins to take hold, and we begin to listen to that voice over the voice of God. Did you know that do not be afraid is mentioned 365 times in the Bible? That's one for every day of the year. It's like God knows us, right? I mean, maybe that's cliche. Maybe um, you've seen that on a Christian postcard. 
But there's got to be something in it, right? If we look back through the narrative of Scripture, we can see where fear first took root. In the Garden of Eden, when the enemy rocks up on the scene, what's the first thing he says? He asks Adam and Eve, did God really say? He spreads fear and he spreads doubt straight away. Adam and Eve become fearful. They start to question their identity. Can they really trust God? Has he really made them and created them perfect? And when we listen to this voice of fear, we begin to follow that voice rather than God's voice. Did God really say? Did God really say you could do that? Did God really say you were called here? Did God really say, fill in the blank for whatever you're believing at the moment? See, it's a question over our identity. Do we believe who God says he is? Do we believe that we're adopted, that we are co-heirs with Christ? Or do we let fear dictate that? You see, again, the truth of the gospel is that we are not orphans. We are not abandoned We are sons and daughters. You see, fear is wanting to keep you from that truth. Fear is wanting to distort that truth. Jesus does not abandon us, has not abandoned us, and he is with you at the moment. Don't let fear dictate who God says you are. So is is fear sinful then? Because surely um, fear is part of survival, right? Flight or fight. You know, when we see a burning building, we're not going to run in. There's, there's a fear in us that goes, no, that's not safe. And I want to say this morning that to feel fearful isn't a sin. But it's what we do with it that becomes grey area. Because the root of fear has come from the fall. And it's this kind of fear that wants to distract us and isolate us away from God. So when we start to fear fearful about the things in our life, do we let it rest? Do we allow it to ruminate and and go wild in our hearts? Or do we listen to the truth of what God is saying? It's scattered, isn't it, throughout the Bible in Philippians. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, Peace is what I leave with you. It's my peace that I give you. I do not give you as the world does. Do not be worried. Do not be afraid. Because fear is crouching, just like this cat was doing in the hallway. Am I going to allow it to trap me and stop me from reaching the full potential that God has for my life? Am I going to allow it to dictate my thoughts? Am I going to let it run rampage in my mind? Because it's when we elevate fear higher than God, we distort our identity. We lose sight of the grace that Rich spoke about last week. We lose sight of the fact that we are chosen and beloved. We lose sight of the fact that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Now, I realize that none of this is simple. I'm not just saying, just don't ever be afraid. That's it. Goodbye. Have a nice day. 
I recognize that this is maybe easier said than done, but I truly believe that we have to take hold of who God says we are. And I know right now fear is everywhere. It's on our phones, it's on the media, it's on the news, it's in our conversations. Some days it's just too much, isn't it? Some days you just think, I need a day off from the news, I need a day off from being afraid. And sometimes, you know what, I just grab my Bible and declare those truths over me. I just say them out loud and I hold on to them for dear life. And I just say, God, I'm not going to let fear dictate who you say I am today. You see, our identity is safe and secure in Jesus. This is this cultural revolution, transformation that Marg was just talking about. To no longer live in fear of rejection, of taking a risk, of, of fearful of what others say. You see, worry makes us feel like we're doing something productive, but it's just detrimental. <laughs> Never ends well, does it? John was writing this letter because he was concerned that the church at the time would be too busy worrying about salvation, worrying about earning their place, that they wouldn't actually just get on with sharing the gospel, with spreading the good news. John wanted them to be confident in the salvation that Jesus has brought for us, to stop being consumed, to start, start taking steps of faith. So as I um, finish, let's leave open this 1 John 4 passage this week. What can we take from it? Firstly, that love is made complete in us. Secondly, that we are like Christ. And thirdly, that we can have confidence in the perfect love of God. This whole letter was aimed at the church becoming this confident, empowered kingdom movement. What would it look like for us to start living in that truth today? Do you know, wouldn't it be amazing if people started to say, do you know what, I, I'm not going to go to a wellness centre, I'm not going to go to a retreat centre, I'm going to go to church, because these people are living like free people. Wouldn't that be an amazing testimony? We see in sight, don't we, in part. But I want that to be the legacy that people think, do you know what, I need to get to church to get free. Because the perfect love of God casts out our fear and reminds us of our true identity. This morning, hear that the voice of God is louder than any of those fears, any of those lies. So let's, let's respond now. Maybe you need to shift position. Maybe you need to stand, kneel, I don't know, whatever, whatever it looks like in your living room. And I want us to just ask Jesus a couple of questions before we move on, before we go and play out in the snow. Let's ask Jesus, what lies am I believing about myself today?
Maybe there are some really big lies that you're listening to at the moment. But you know what? Often I found they're subtle and they're small. And we're not going to go searching for them. We're just simply going to say, Holy Spirit, reveal to us if the things that I'm listening to that aren't of you. And then ask Jesus, Jesus, what do you say about me today? Jesus, what fears this morning have really taken root in my life? Jesus, would you help me to uproot them? Shine your light on the dark areas. Holy Spirit, would you come again and again and remind us of who you say we are. Lord, we thank you for the truth that our identity alone is found in you. Lord, I pray this week, would you help us to to listen to what you say about us and to not let fear take room in our hearts. Would you remind us, Lord, in the moments, in the days where we fear fearful, that the truth is your perfect love casts out our fears because we know that we are made whole in you. We know that in you we have the victory. Jesus, we love you.